going on 14 i am mike i am patrick i'm joel and i'm josh and this week we're talking about Candyman. and since i have a deathly fear of bees and my wife has a deathly fear of being burned alive week two of october involved a lot of screaming around the brown household <laughs> i thought you were gonna say sarah had a fear of being impaled on hooks yeah. well doesn't everyone really Your they, they should will be exquisite I... wow that got weird yeah, so this that week... was Hellraiser, was it? Was it? What? No, it's Hell... all Clive Barker. He yeah. says it as well. That's okay. that's kind of like his like tagline, like "Hey, I'm Clive Roman Barker. Time. Welcome Your to pain Hell." Will be exquisite. <laughs> Sorry, if you like exquisite pain, you might like some of the shows. That's not well. Whatever. Listen to Geek Life Radio. It'll be exquisite <laughs> and painful. Yeah. Check out all things Transformers, the history of bad ideas, the anime trap house, HTML, all the things, and of course, Geek Life Radio's own Rad Dead Radio Hour, the Smorgasbord. Is that it, Pat? That's cheating. You know that's always going to get me. I'm playing to the audience. You're halfway there. Right, Living yeah. on a prayer. But if you're looking for more of our stuff, you can find our back catalog at Google, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podcast Addict. Click the bean. Yeah. You can get in touch and give us an idea for a show and at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And if you'd like, you can join the conversation by clicking the Join Us link on the show notes. Discord. What have we been, what have we been talking about this week? uh been kind of quiet yeah it has yeah. been a slightly quiet week yeah but uh, in the meantime we actually have a voicemail from karen yay all right for karen it's great to hear from karen hey 40 going on 14 guys listener karen here i uh just finished the cinderella episode and i wanted to call and say mike you are right it is disney in the math magic land donald in math magic land I remember watching it in seventh grade when my math teacher was out sick for a few days and they had to fill our time. So it exists, and I remember it. Uh, looking forward to the Octobu episode. Spooky season's my favorite. Hope you guys are going to have a good show. Bye. <laughs> this is a good one for us to hear from Karen because she actually was looking forward to the Candyman episode. She suggested it without knowing we already had it booked. Oh, nice. Nice. Good for but you. Yeah. Um, so the, it was Josh was right is the short version of, of that voicemail. No, Mike was right. Or Mike was right? Okay. Mike was right. What? We, we were trying to gaslight Mike, and uh, she came in to uh, rain on I, someone witnessed. Someone was a witness for you, Mike. In all honesty, it doesn't take much to gaslight me. And two, somebody else has seen Donald Duck in Mathematical Ant, and I totally appreciate that. Because that's a thing. But turkey carcasses not a thing. No, okay, okay. Turkey carcasses is totally a thing. No, for your family. That's for it. my family, yeah. You don't hang the dead body in the tree? What the hell's wrong with you? 
we're normal. Well, touche, sir. I can't go that far. Truthfully, <laughs> you guys know that. So. Uh, uh, I think it's about that time. 100%. Good lord, is it ever? This weekend, music, movies, and TV, and sports. <laughs> I can't yeah. tell, was Joel laughing in the recording or does it crack him up every time it comes up? It cracks uh, me up, but that was in the recording. Yeah, okay. a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B in this situation. Yeah, I, I backed away just so I wasn't laughing into the microphone, but that was actually the recording, not me. I, I have decided the Josh Dubstep twee has been the, uh, is now going to be the Octobu uh, uh, official twee. Nice. It has been, hasn't it? No. Oh, now he okay. would break it out at random when he got bored, but now now it's ah, an October yeah. thing. Now, now it's a For thing. Sure. Yeah, so this like week it. we are going with September 11th, 1992, the release of the original Candyman. Okay. Sweets to the sweets, baby. The number one song in the land was End of the Road by Boys to Men. Oh, yes. Like Good that song. was so Great. huge. Great song. In high yeah. School. yeah. And, it's, and they're just, you know, an amazing group anyway. Uh, but yeah, that, that, uh, I remember how huge that was. Like you could not escape that song when it was out. Well, boys to men as a whole in that time, 92 was huge. Now they play Vegas. Well, three of them. Oh, that yeah, kind of makes that me sad. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. That, that was the other real big one right then. Oh yeah. Faux show. Uh, so on September 16th, Nick Jonas, American singer, actor, and producer, but primarily known as a founding member of the Jonas brothers was born in Dallas, Texas, Dallas, Texas. I have no opinion whatsoever, Jonas. I like him more as like a general entertainer than as a musician. I mean, he's been I, funny in most of the like the little one-off skits I've seen him in and interviews and whatnot. They seem like generally nice people. Like they do yeah. charitable stuff and whatnot, and uh, not in kind of the douchey way. So, I mean, I, I don't, I nothing him to quote you guys, but you know, my girls. No, I'm not sure if they like them authentically or ironically. <laughs> they're no Justin Timberlake, not yet, anyway. Well, we hope not. Wait, what? Hmm? What? 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 Keep oh. talking. Okay. <gasps> <gasps> so, uh, on that note, on September 17th, Frank Zappa, in his final professional public appearance, conducted the Ensemble Modern at the Frankfurt Festival in Germany. Zappa, who was seriously ill with prostate cancer, received a 20-minute ovation. I remember that story. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. If you ever get a chance, there's well, there's several documentaries about him, but mm-hmm. interesting dude. Oh, that's putting it lightly, yeah. <laughs> to say I the part- least. I partied with one of his daughters once. You guys know that story. Yeah, I'm yeah, not going to say which one you... because it lessens the story. <laughs> oh. Whether you love him or hate him, I think everyone would agree with the he was an interesting dude. Mm-hmm. Yes, that that's a fair a fair cop. There was when I was working at um the sandwich shop, we put. One of uh, uh, Zappa's albums albums on for Albazon. Albazon. Some Zappa Abba Zappa. Zappa Abba We put on um one of one of his albums. <laughs> one that, the one that has like uh, Catholic girls on it. And Zabba I'm in the back. You. I'm in the back shutting everything down. Shut up, you. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, Tom Waits though is actually one of his best impressions. <laughs> that's true. And and like maybe about. Ten minutes into it, one of the girls that's closing down the front of the house comes back, comes in the back room, and she's like, "What the hell are we listening to?" It's like Frank Zappa, Catholic Girls. You don't know him? She's like, "No." 
okay. And she's that whole, like, <laughs> resignment that, like, okay, you're not going to change it, so I'm just going to live with it type of thing. Eventually, she, eventually she warmed up to him, so. That's this is the thing this week this week. Fantastic. Oh uh, well Tom Waits his I don't like Tom Waits, but I love Joel's impression of Tom Waits. This Rick-a-dicky, Tom Waits dicky, doing dicky, Frank Zappa. And I'm done. That's just gonna kill me right there. You murdered Pat. Have to replace you. Anyway, moving on to the final bullet point. Desiree Apollonio Ragoza Bassett, born September 11th, is an American rock guitarist and recording artist. She has performed alongside mainline performers such as Sammy Hagar, Ted Nugent, Living Color, the Marshall Tucker Band, the Almond Brothers Band, and many more. She has released two studio albums. The end. Hmm. I don't Desiree know I didn't know who the hell she was either, but music Apollyono Ragosa. Yeah, mu- music was kind of lacking, so she made the cut. I mean, she played with some fairly big names, so. Hmm. Yeah, but she's pr- basically like a studio musician, kind of is what it sounds ah, like. Ah, yeah. Session All players. right. Yeah. Then moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was Sneakers, starring Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, and Sidney Poitier. That is a great movie. It yeah, is it really so is. good, and it took me so long to see it. I, I didn't see it until, like, I don't know, 2002. Oh. Underrated. But, Agreed. Yeah, yeah, a really fun ensemble movie for sure. Yeah, I think I, if I remember correctly, we saw it in the theater. Yes, and and I is hmm, I think that there's been like internet security people, like like groups that have been like, this is the closest any movie has gotten to the actual how things work type of thing. Well, this and the scene in NCIS when they're both using the the Com- keyboard at the same time. typing on the keyboard at the same yeah, time. Those yeah, are the two yeah. most accurate. Yeah. Whistler's my favorite. That makes sense. <laughs> All right, Anthony Perkins, American actor known for Psycho, but also from Friendly Persuasion, Fear Strikes Out, and Pretty Poison, died from AIDS complications at 60 years old on September 12th. That was I sad, did not man. know that. I love Anthony Perkins. I still love Anthony Perkins. He was a solid actor that got typecast, obviously. Yep. Yeah. Also, Lee Tully is an actor known for taking Woodstock when comedy went to school, and that's life. He died on September 16th. I don't know this person. You shouldn't. This was a, yeah. this was a slow week in news. All right. Lee Tully. All right. So uh, moving on to TV. Top shows in the land were 60 Minutes, Roseanne, Home Improvement, and Murphy Brown. A very uh, 1992 setup, if it was. Right. I don't think I've ever actually watched Murphy Brown, though. Really? I love yeah. it, man. I watched it regularly. I'm yeah. surprised we Never haven't really done it because they rebooted it not so long ago. I, I think it's the Me, reboot's been canceled, but I, I watched the first two or three episodes. It was in oh. the suggestion box for a while, but then just kind of went away. Kind of petered out. All right. At the ninth VMAs, <laughs> that's the Video Music Awards, held on September 9th, Howard Stern's breakthrough from local radio shock jock to nationally infamous entertainment personality led him to proclaiming himself the acronym of the week, which is T-K-O-A-M. Uh, I'm pretty sure that stands for the kicker of Adele's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, what? He, he really doesn't like Adele, I guess. She was only like 12 then. <laughs> he kicked her in the mouth. <laughs> wow. Uh, and uh, no, unfortunately, that is the, the king of all media. 
I mean, it was just a couple of weeks ago. You got so close, but now you, you, you've wandered off. It's the um, rule. You're the king of all media. You get to kick Adele in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> just go to her house. Hello? Are you Adele? Yes. Well, I'm the king of all media, so... Prepare down. your mouth. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. That sounds like what? something Howard Stern would say. Yeah, <laughs> You're going to roll in the deep there, buddy. All right. Uh, so as one of the presenters, uh, not content to just show up as himself, Stern came in as right? a character no. as superhero Fartman, yep. descending from the ceiling on wires in a costume that exposed his comically underwhelming butt cheeks. Stern, Stern joined co-presenter Luke Perry, who was like, oh, my God, who presses hands to Fartman's ass before the pair presented best metal hard rock video to Metallica for Enter Sandman. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, that's 90s right there. Got Howard Stern, got Luke Perry, you got Enter Sandman. And then Jethro Tull wins. Oh, wait, wrong here. <laughs> you got pale, fleshy butt cheeks. Ew. Yeah, it was, I saw it live. Mm. It was very un, underwhelming. All right, so uh, Ed Peck was an active in television and films from 1951 to 1983. Uh-oh. <laughs> Specializing in playing either police officers or military officers. Peck was an announcer on the Jack Carson show. Oh, Johnny's yeah. bastard cousin. And was also a member of the cast of The Super, portraying Officer Clark. He also guest starred on dozens of television series, including The Untouchables. Oh, <laughs> it's not looking good for Mr. Peck. Uh, Perry Mason, The Fugitive, Get Smart, All in the Family, Barney Miller, Star Trek, and Benson, and The Dick Van Dyke Show, and Bonanza. One of his highest profile parts was among his last in television series Happy Days in the recurring role as police officer Kirk. When he left the series in 83, he retired from acting and died of a heart attack on September 12th. Wow. Absorbed. After a very illustrious career, man. That's pretty uh, pretty thick resume. He but... had apparently had the, the cop role sewn up for a while. Yeah. He had a very cop looking face, I guess. Well, if you look him up, you'll recognize him. I just looked him up, and I definitely recognize that face. Him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know this guy. All right. Moving on to sports. Sports! On September 7th, three-year MLB commissioner Faye Vincent was found out. Whoops. Sorry. Was forced out. In a... <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm starting I've been found out. No, I mean, I told you guys my eyes are fucked up from this dilation. Faye, get in here. It's raining. <laughs> what are you doing out there? <laughs> and... And the goddamn cat was clawing him. I was trying to. God damn it! Wait till the moment. I'm trying to mark this time, Michael. I've been found out. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right. All right. On September 7th, three-year MLB commissioner Faye Vincent was forced out in a vote of no confidence by the owners in an 18 to 9 vote. Bud Selig, team president of the Milwaukee Brewers, was appointed interim commissioner until the promotion became official in 1998. I've been found out. <laughs> Shut up, mother. Yeah. On September 9th, MLB player Robin Yunt became the 17th player to reach 3,000 career hits. At that point, it's kind of like, yeah, welcome what? to the club. Oh, yeah, they have yeah they have a clubhouse, I think. It's called the Hall of Fame. He's the Hall of Fame. <laughs> He's September... not very lame. <laughs> Shut up. September 12th was the date of a legendary U.S. Open, the longest match in U.S. Open history. Stefan Edberg beat Michael Chang 6-7-7-5-7-6-5-7-6-4 in a 5-hour, 26-minute semifinals marathon. 
In the U.S. Open Women's Tennis Finals, Monica Seles retained her title, beating beating Aranca Sanchez Vicario of Spain 6-3-6-3. The following day at the U.S. Open Men's Tennis Finals, Stefan Edberg retained his title, beating Pete Sampras 3-6-6-4-7-6-6-2. I remember watching that match live, the, the Michael Chang-Stefan Edberg match. Did you guys see that by chance? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a chance that Josh might have. I actually didn't. This is uh, a little bit after I stopped watching tennis. Yeah, that was amazing. Like at the end of the match, Michael Chang, he literally like passed out. His legs just gave up on him. He passed out on the court. They had to the stretcher him off. And lastly, S.A. Bonarigi, cricketer who took part in one test for India in 1948 with no runs and five wickets, died September 14th. Aww. That's how weak this week was. Wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> weak. Poor Bonarigi. Bonarigi. Bonergy. You know, like the things that the Australians play to make the the, the sound, the Bonergy. Oh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> That's a didgeridoo, you norm numbnuts. What the hell are you talking about? You normnuts? Normnuts. Oh, we've, we're dangerously close to going off the rails. We better get out of here. Play us off, keyboard, Joel. Yeah, da, 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 da. <laughs> so, Candyman, 1992. Currently sitting at Rotten Tomatoes at a 77% critics and a 62% fans. Uh, This is a (laughs) directed by Bernard Rose, who um, also did stuff like, well, hang on a second. First, we'll go with a Candyman is a murderous soul with a hook for a hand and is accidentally summoned to reality by a skeptic grad student researching the monster's myth. Okay. Candyman. You can, it's kind and of it, like... And his apartment probably smells like dookie water. Yeah, 100% smells like dookie water. I could not find... Okay, that was a one-time shot because I, I cannot find another review quite as amazing as the dookie water review. Rest from in peace, Edward B. Edward B., we love you. Uh, this is God, directed by Bernard Rose, who also did something called Paper House, did a 2015 version of Frankenstein. Yeah, it's... Frankenstein. Frankenstein. It's it's a little uh uh it's interesting. He 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 likes to use the same actors a lot. Uh-huh. So you'll see kind of uh, the same people popping up in all his films. Uh Xavier Samuel, uh that one has Carrie Ann Moss in it. Hmm. Where it's a married couple of scientists create a modern day Frankenstein. It right, looks but... kind of interesting. Now, now the one that I'm really interested in with from him was the 2019 Samurai Marathon which is set in 1855, where a daimyo sends his men on a grueling marathon to discover if they're tough enough to face the newly arrived Americans. Misunderstanding his intent, the shogun dispatches assassins. That, you know, 100%, that's all I need, I'm in. <clears throat> yeah, Bernard is a, he's an interesting dude. Yeah. So Speaking of which, you might like Crazy Samurai 1 versus 400. It's not his movie. But... I, I don't know if I have that much time to watch that many movies. Anyway. Go ahead. Moving on. Sorry. All right. So Candyman, uh, directed by Bernard Rose. Writing credits go to Clive Barker, which is based off his short story, The Forbidden, from the Books of Blood. Uh, If you don't know Clive Barker, uh, Nightbreed, Hellraiser, Midnight Meat Train, and actually coming up, announced Nightbreed, the TV series. Nice. We've never done Nightbreed, have we? No, we have not. That's one of those that we put in the back pocket and just waiting for a remake to come across. And the fact that Nightbreed is on here attached directly to Clive Barker, I'm very happy for. 
Yeah, we knew it was coming at some point, so just yeah. waiting it yeah, out. I was going to say, they've been floating that remake almost since we've been doing this podcast. Yep. So this is starring Virginia Madsen, uh, who you may know from uh, Sideways, Dune, and The Prophecy, as Helen Lyle, Tony Todd as the Candyman, Xander Berkeley as Trevor Lyle, fucking Trevor. Fucking Trevor. Cassie Lemons as Bernadette Walsh, Vanessa Williams Yes, that Vanessa Williams as Annie Marie McCoy, the one guy. Is it guy. that Vanessa Williams? I thought no. it was not that Vanessa Williams. It is not that Vanessa Williams. It is no, not it's that Vanessa, Vanessa Estelle Williams. Oh. Maybe oh, it I... is that Vanessa Williams. No, it is not. Okay, I didn't think so. Because no. it's confusing. That Vanessa Williams she's was also... in an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Yes, yeah. Eraser. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's also a singer, which I could see why it would throw you off. Is like, oh, I could see her having been in New Jack City. But no, it's it's a different Vanessa Williams. But it oh, is okay. that Ted Raimi. I, we'll we'll know, get there. I, am, I immediately went to Google to see if that was fucking him. Yeah. 100%. So, uh, Dewan Guy is Jake. We've got Marine, Mariana Elliott as Clara. Ted Raimi as Billy, the guy on the motorcycle. Badass Billy. Badass Billy. Getting I was what like, must. is that really Ted Raimi as the motorcycle dude? Yeah, it's kind I, of a weird casting choice. I, I think it was kind of cool. <laughs> I uh, love Ted Raimi. Don't get me wrong. I do but... too, but like the <laughs> him, I will always think of him as Joxer, even I though cannot... I didn't love those show. <laughs> the fact that you said Joxer, oh my god, that's amazing. See, I think of him as Henrietta from Evil Dead. Not true. Uh, Rhea, Rhea Pavia is Monica. Lisa and Poggi is Diane. And honestly, all the rest of these people don't even matter. Bernard Rose as Archie Walt. Be my victim. Okay. <laughs> Bernard Rose, strangely enough, also involved with uh, Paper House and uh, Frankenstein. Archie Walsh was his character. All right, so some trivia on this one. The bees were bred specifically for this movie. They needed to make sure that the bees were only 12 hours old, so they looked like mature bees, but that their stinger wouldn't be powerful enough to do any real damage. Oh, that's yep. fascinating. Oh, I am so happy. There's a related bit of trivia that is not in the trivia, so I, I get to I get to do my deep dive. I, I know what you're talking about, Josh. I'm going to 100% let you have that one. Do you um, want to do it now? Like me, Virginia Madsen is allergic to bee stings. So she had it written into her contract that she got a paid bonus every time she got stung. <gasps> they had EMTs on uh, site just in case the bee venom was bad enough to trigger a reaction. Tony and Todd had that deal. Exactly. Tony Todd had $1,000 every time he got stung, and he wound up making $32,000 off this movie. Huh. He made a good deal. Yeah, well, when, when the script tells you to put bees in your mouth. Well, it's like those dogs that bark bees at you. Simpsons did it. All right. So exterior hallway and stairway cases, uh, stairway scenes were actually filmed for a few days in the infamous Cabrini Green housing projects. So the producers had to make a deal with the ruling gang members to put them in the movie as extras to ensure that the cast and crew were safe during filming. Even with this arrangement, a sniper put a bullet through the production van on the last day of filming and nobody was injured. So that's fun. Yep. Yeah, I think that was just a matter of like, we're going to remind you that we're here. Mm -hmm. Plus, we could like, have not this. everybody. I, I think when you make a deal, not necessarily everyone was in on it or agrees with it. Right. It's not like or benefits a, a from rule, it. Yeah, it's not like there's a ruling council where someone's going to get in trouble if they break the deal. Yeah. 
Uh, also, while investigating one of Candyman's crime scenes, Helen and Bernadette discover that the design of the apartment's medicine cabinet made it possible uh, made it a possible point of entry for an intruder. This was not a made-up piece of horror movie fiction. While researching the film, Bernard Rose learned that the series of murders that had been committed in Chicago in this very way. Yep. So that's kind of freaking scary. Right? I know. Somebody coming through your fucking medicine cabinet? I got all freaked out. I tore my medicine cabinet out, and then Suzanne's like, we, we live in a house. <laughs> hey there, muscly arms. I'm like, yeah, yeah. but look, look at our a- yard. There was a real Reddit thread about a woman who found out she could. There was an entire ac- access to another entire apartment through her medicine cabinet. That's nuts. Yeah. Right. It was uninhabited, you know, but the, you know there were signs that someone had lived there at one point. It was like un- unfurnished, unfinished, you know, and uninhabited. But like, there was a sleeping cot there that had been there for a while and things like that. Like, creepy. Sweets to the sweet. Yeah. Also, director Bernard Rose had Virginia Madsen and Tony Todd take ballroom dancing classes together so that would ha- they would have more of a romantic connection while playing their characters. Yep. Which is kind of cool. It's and a nice way to get your actors to bond, man. You I know? know, right? And Tony Todd? <clears throat> holy cow, is he not just like the force in this movie? Mm-hmm. He's a presence, man. Between the voice... He's a, you know, he's a nice looking guy. He's tall. He's, he's just kind of got the whole thing going on. And then once you put the outfit on him, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's a, a, a tragic anti-hero villain murder something. He's a presence. Yeah. I mean, his, his actual story about like being killed and tortured, you know, and turned into a bad guy is not a whole lot different than Freddy Krueger's, you know, so. Well, Freddy Krueger well, was a child molester. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. <clears throat> Freddy Krueger fucked kids. Well, yeah, but I mean, they both, you know, killed by society and turned into a villain. It's, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just saying it's kind of similar. No, I, no. And it's a little weird because they do give Candyman a, like, sympathetic background, but then don't portray him as a sympathetic character, like, at all. No. It is very strange. You usually don't do that. Well, he kind of has a, like, a a Universal Monsters kind of, uh, you know, like, like Frankenstein didn't ask to be made, and sometimes he did things he didn't know any better, like tossing the girl in the lake. He didn't know she was going to die. But and you so can't, you can't say that Candyman doesn't know what he's doing and no. doesn't do straight up evil. I mean, Frankenstein was more of just like a like a neutral, but this guy's pure evil. Well, I feel like he's taking revenge on those who <laughs> did him wrong. You know, right? He was is, is he really murdered. though? I mean, he, he was unfairly murdered, so he is going to live forever <clears throat> in spite of those who killed him. I think is probably the best take. Yeah. I, okay. Well, first, let's get to let's get to the first question. He's like, how many of us is this a first viewing of? This was first first, uh, first viewing for me as well. Okay. Uh, I've seen this too many times to count. It's probably in it, it's in my top somewhere. I'm not sure where it falls, but I, I love this movie. Yeah, I have seen this multiple times beforehand. So Candyman is not new to me. Um, so Pat and Josh, as a first viewing, what'd you think? Yes. Uh, let's normally I tee off here and go for a while. Let's let's uh, let Patrick lead off. 
I thought, uh, well, first of all, the design and everything of the character and the voice was great. He was obviously the best part of the movie, the villain, the Candyman himself. But I, for my first big criticism is I did not care for like the hook hand thing. I thought it would have been, I mean, not that I cared that it was a hook hand. I mean, but you can make a better hook than the type of hook that they were using. That's not a hook that can do the damage that they were portraying through the movie, and that really bugged me a lot. Well, fun fun uh, bit of trivia, because I do know a little bit about this film for some reason. Uh, oh, yeah, they originally reason. had uh, requests or had one designed by a, a uh, metalsmith in the area. And when they went to go pick it up, they're like, the guy was like, oh, what's this for? And they're like, oh, it's for a movie we're making. He's like, what kind of movie? He's like, a horror movie. And it's like, nope, you're not getting it. And he stuck it in a drawer and they never got it. So they had to build one kind of on the fly. What? Uh, Because they had had one that they paid a guy to build. And he was a very strong, I think they might have said he was a Mormon or something, but he was very religious. And because it was going to be in a horror movie, he wouldn't let him have it. Yeah, friggin' Mormons. Oh, okay. So Mm. that may have had something to do with the design. I don't know. That really really showed them. (laughs) Yeah. You can't have it, sir. It's not yours. It was annoying to me because that's like a giant fishing hook. And if you ever tried to hurt somebody with a fishing hook, yes, you can do some damage. But what you can't do is impale a fish and drag it all the way down its body with a fishing hook. You just, I mean, that's not what it's made for. We're just going to let that go that uh, if you've ever tried this. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. We're going to let him have that one. Okay. I've said too much. At, at this point, we're not going to question it. We're just yeah. gonna be like, all right, Pat, Texas. From groin to gullet, you know, Patrick's all about it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Pat, because the uh, the hook, <laughs> it seems like the lead the lead length mm-hmm. of it was way too long to be any sort of, like, efficiency. On... Yeah, yeah, like, if you, the way he was using it just never would have, it just wouldn't have worked, and it really bothered me a lot. Like, if, if the lead in portion of the hook was shorter, if it was, like, half the size of it was, and it bent outward instead of inward to him, that would be... All right, we're yeah. probably on a list now. Yeah, I From mean, it's just there, there to are go many more. The Patrick Whaley story. <laughs> oh, I'd read that book. Well, well we're in a mullet. <laughs> now I don't want to read it anymore. Oh. Lose the mullet, I'm in. But yeah, it's just, that was my big complaint, was like that, that you know, the, the weapon was not, is just not capable of doing that kind of damage, <laughs> that, that type of weapon. But other than that, you know, I mean, Virginia Madison, Madison is, a, you know, she's Virginia Madison, she's a great actress and everything, but there was only so much that she could do with the scenes that were given to her. The, the dialogue was kind of <laughs> clunky, but overall, I mean, overall, it was a fine horror movie. It wasn't special. It wasn't great. I feel justified in waiting this long to see it, and... I will say that the scene with the kissing and the bees was very, very effective and creepy. So Okay, and looking into that, he actually did shove bees in his mouth for that. Oh, see, that that's, yeah. That's well, he had a special, right like, appliance to keep them from, like, going down his throat. Yeah. See, and but I yeah, feel that like was this... a, that was a fucked up scene. You know, and there were some fucked up scenes in there, like the Rottweiler getting killed. At first, I thought it was the baby, and I was like, holy shit, they went there? Oh, no. yeah. See, I, and I feel it does get above. It, it's it goes above just a regular run of the mill horror movie. I mean, just the Philip Glass soundtrack alone is is. I was gonna say amazing Philip, on its own. A hundred percent. The music was a lot of the reason why things got tense. Yeah, it's extreme because it's just a piano, uh, an organ, and vocals, and that's it. There's nothing else. That's all there is. You know, because he's a minimalist, anyway, as a composer, and it just, it's so effective. Uh, 
and just that alone, uh, when then you take the story and the cinematography and the, uh, it just all works well. But so, Josh, what what were you going to? No, I was. To? Yeah, I was waiting on this. Uh, I, I'm not sure why I never got around to seeing it, uh, partially because I, I guess the base story didn't really grab me as it is a, a variation of a pretty prominent urban legend. Uh, like I would have first heard something very much like this story as uh, uh, Bloody Mary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, but they definitely leaned into the urban legends concept. And then you've got this unusual for the time. Like there's definitely racially charged things like the idea that you've got these people that are forgotten. And all of a sudden a pretty white woman gets involved and it's all over the news. Yeah, there that commentary was in there, but it was in in con okay. I'm, I'm kind of tipping my hand here, but in contrast to the remake, it was noinced and not written on the side of a brick and thrown through your living room window. I see. I, I almost thought that it was uh, again undertone here. It wasn't bad. I don't think it was more effective in this than it was in in the remake. Hmm. It was talked about and then kind of dropped. Yeah. Right. It was almost, it was interesting because she's sort of a tourist in that world and the audience <clears throat> very quickly becomes sort of a tourist because they don't really engage with that as a concept very much, which well, is fine. It, mm. It's there. And you know they what's... did, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, they, uh, as Mike said, they did go back to that territory for, uh, for the remake or, yeah. well, we'll discuss whether it's a remake Specifics. or what it is. Yeah. So the so starting out, first off, I want to give them credits for a great shot of the post office and everything else in downtown. You can definitely tell that this was made in Chicago, not just like made somewhere in Canada, and they use some like stock footage of, of Chicago. The What was supposed to be the huge swarm of bees flying over the Hancock Center in the very beginning was a little less than... It did astounding. not hold up well. Did not hold up well at all. No. Um, in in going through the, the Billy coming up on his motorcycle, and she's going to give Billy what she didn't give to Michael, which was apparently a dissertation on urban legends. Uh just to to backtrack real quick before we get too far away from it. I don't know if you guys know in in the story that it's based on. Race is never mentioned. Like his backstory yes. and his race is never that was written into the film. Uh, kind so. of, because I've in in the in the short story they do describe him as hang on I wrote here waxy they, yellow thin yeah lips, they pale described blue. him as having his his complexion is the same as buttermilk. So I mean it's it's well, that's gross. Yeah, he's got a buttermilk complexion, and it all takes place in like an England slum, which makes sense. Yeah, everybody's face is like buttermilk in England. <laughs> it's kind of chunky and sour. Just like grandma. Anyway, sorry, you were saying, yes. Some of the shots are amazing in the film. I mean, mm -hmm. it, the cinematography is, again, one of the other aspects of it that uh, I think is what keeps me coming back to it. Although, yeah, like, like there, was a, there was a great shot of like the, the crane work where they, you know, she was exploring the the ruins of the Cabrini Green or whatever, and the crane like pulled up, and you saw like all the different rooms and everything. Yeah, it was a cool mm -hmm. shot. I mean, the, the sequels are diminishing returns as far as part two and three, but uh, that's to be expected. 
Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to me that you've got all this lore, uh, and I guess two and three expand on the lore even more uh, of like what he is and what he does and why. But at the beginning, it's a little bit of a mess. And I don't know how much of that is a criticism and or and how much of that is just an observation. It's just like why he does what he does, what exactly he gets out of it. Are we meant to hate and fear him? Or are we meant to be sympathetic? It's all just, there's a lot of stuff and it doesn't all gel into a one cohesive like thing that makes sense for yeah, me. I, I agree with you because there does seem like the rules for Candyman don't are kind of fluid. Like in the very beginning when Billy is talking, when Billy's in the scene and they say Candyman five times in the mirror, suddenly Candyman appears behind her and guts her. But when, um, when she says it, uh, I'm sorry, I just lost Helen her. Helen Lyle? When Helen says it, she says Candyman five times in the mirror and then Candyman doesn't show up to like a week later. Well, he had it's an like, appointment. I, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people saying Candyman in the mirror and he's like, yeah, I'll get to you when I can. Oh, no, no, caught no, on I'm in a dental appointment. <laughs> yeah, who isn't caught on 290? Caught on but yeah, 290. It, the rules for Candyman are kind of fluid. I mean, he shows up and kills you at one point. He takes his time for Helen for a little bit and then shows up uh, in a uh, in the parking garage. But I think you know, his relationship with Helen was different than with everybody else. And nobody else got a soliloquy. Right. For sure. And and there's the idea that she's the reincarnation of the woman he was murdered over. Correct. And they play with that, but don't like fully develop it or what it means. He kills her, but then she's alive in the next scene, but she's not really alive. And, and I mean, I think that's the biggest criticism I have is her makeup effects at the end. But anyway, that's well, she's supposed to be already dead. She was his victim, but it's very unclear what happens because he says, uh, I've taken you. It doesn't matter that we burn. You're already dead. But then she's able to save baby Anthony somehow. And how all that works is very wibbly wobbly. Yeah, that's that's the thing is like the rules for Candyman seem to it, it, like. They're not hard and fast. Mm-hmm. And Candyman can show up. And Candyman, Candyman could be sleeping in the middle of a Cabrini Green in one of the apartments, which was kind of weird. I wasn't expecting this spirit to be just kind of like chilling out. I'm Candyman, there, bitch. Yeah, just standing there and like waiting for somebody to come over type of thing. Um, the <laughs> Some dating on this movie <laughs> that I loved was, one, she's using word perfect to type of her dissertation. <laughs> as you did yeah, yeah i know 100 percent like you did but i'm like oh i recognize that screen that was before word came out um and the other thing was using microfiche i love any movie that has somebody doing research uh, yes. microfiche. yeah and then, and then the um was the one scene where she puts out the two pictures of the buildings to uh to her friend uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, to Bernadette, where she puts the two to two newspapers down on the table. Do you see the difference? They're two totally different buildings. Like, yes, that is evident in the fact that they are two totally different buildings. Nobody in their right mind would would confuse one building for the other on this on these pictures, or that she's taking photos and she runs out of film. Nowadays, yeah, kids oh, are yeah. like, "Wait, what? Run out of film? Right? You can do that." Is there SD card full? What's happening? Yep. And, and, then, and then they go the down. Cloud. They go down to the Cabrini Green. They're going to go in, and the teal and purple gang 
get up in her face. Well, those uh, sweatshirts are uh, that wear that was uh, Chicago in the nineties. That was accurate. Oh yeah, I just I just love the fact that teal and purple were such a thing that it was gang colors. It's also the color of your cup at the local food court, right? Where the everything was, everything was teal and purple back then. Where the in suicide the late 80s, gang, early nineties, were all the it's, different flavors. Uh, yeah, that you save up. Well, you know, I I always look at this as kind of a gothic love story slash urban legend sort of thing where Clive Barker was kind of playing fast and loose with some different urban legends and kind of mushing them together into one character, um, like the hook hand on the car and, you know, Bloody Mary and uh, just kind of playing a little fast and loose with a character and creating a new urban legend. Um, and then the music and the the relationship between Helen and, and uh, Daniel or it's kind of kind of a love story. I don't know. It's, it's it is, I will say it is much less impressive to say Helen five times into a mirror than <clears throat> it is candy man. Yeah. <laughs> Helen, 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 Helen. I mean I feel like I'm just summoning a lady that's gonna ask for to see my manager. Yeah. But um <laughs> the whole uh I don't I don't know. I mean I I enjoyed it. It wasn't bad, but it just wasn't it wasn't great. It's not. It's not something I'm gonna care to watch again. I feel like honestly, if he'd have just had a better weapon, like if that Amish guy hadn't fucked him, then maybe I would have liked it better. <laughs> that's your problem. The hook wasn't great. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's that's really true. I mean, I, it, every time he used it to kill somebody, I'm like, he couldn't do that. You can't slice somebody's throat with a hook. What if it looked like Captain Hook's hook? I mean, that would be a little more realistic, but still, I mean, think about how a, a piercing weapon is not made for slicing. You can't, I mean, you, well, you can't Well, it depends on how cut. sharp the inside of the curve you is. You can make a cut, but it's not going to be clean. It's going to be jagged and ripped. And every time you saw like a straight cut across somebody's throat, I was like, you, you couldn't do that. It just, I mean, you know how I am. I'm pedantic about little I, shit like that. I know 100% how you are. Maybe he took a feat to change the damage type from piercing to slashing. <laughs> Hook hand virtuosity. That's you awesome. I bet you that feat exists. Well, not with well, that name, but right. the one yeah. I describe. I bet you that exists. So, one, I thought that the graffiti of the mouth on the inside of that room oh. was amazing. Yeah, all the graffiti was was really nice. Well done. 100% good stuff. And a lot of it was probably just there. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, don't, I mean, outside. I don't know how much experience you guys have with Cabrini Green. I didn't, you know, necessarily get out, but I drove through Cabrini Green every single time I had to go to work eh, on the Mission Street. I've I've been through a couple times. Yeah, I mean, literally five times a week, every day, drive driving through Cabrini Green. Yeah, not not that much. No, and the um, the something that kind of drives me nuts with with movies that are set in Chicago is. If you look, they, they'll usually choose a building to be their landmark. And this time it seemed like it was the Hancock Center. So depending on where the Hancock Center was, I can kind of figure out like the Cabrini Green, the view for Cabrini Green was was kind of set up right in the right spot. You know, like looking at looking at the other buildings, you can tell this is where Cabrini Green is. Now, the bonfire, though, wasn't back of the yards. Because there's no way. I mean, there's so. It's, it's one of the other things that bugs me is like when in um, 
uh, the third uh, the third series of Stranger Things when they go to Chicago and they have this, you know, they're in Chicago and they're sitting outside this apartment or they're sitting outside and you see the silhouette of the city behind them. And then if anybody from Chicago looks at it and goes, you are sitting in the middle of Lake Michigan if all these buildings are where they're supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, I think people are who aren't from the city are more used to seeing the Chicago side uh, skyline on a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. And that is from across the lake. Like that's that's how that, I don't know, is seen or experienced by the average person. So they want that shot because it looks to them more real Chicago than real Chicago. Yeah, not everybody's going to film Chicago like Adventures in Babysitting. Yeah. Unfortunately. It's one of those weird things where sometimes the reality looks more fake than just something we all know is wrong to people who don't know any better. Right. Like the Wayne's World montage. That would have taken him five hours. (laughs) Oh, my God. The Wayne's World thing is like, hey, we're downtown in Aurora. Aurora, the uh, the city that's so great they didn't film the one movie that's supposed to take place in Aurora in it. Instead, they went to Cicero. Why? I know, right? That's a trade-up. Yeah, I, I grew up in Cicero. It is not a trade-up. Taxes. The answer is always yeah. taxes. I will say that the little kid, uh, whatever his name was. Oh, shoot. I should know this. Yeah. Jake? Jake, Jake. From State Farm. Yeah. yeah. Jake. He told a damn good story. He was that a good kid actor. was chill. Yeah, he was He was pretty good. And, you know, <laughs> the, the shitter's full of bees. Why so many scenarios in this movie where I'm like, okay, I go into this nasty ass bathroom in the middle of Kareni Green, lift up the toilet, it's full of bees. Why are you not leaving immediately? Yeah, I was not <laughs> expecting that when that happened. Yeah. And then and then she wakes up in the bathroom after Candyman knocks her out. She I'm stands Candyman, up. Bitch. Yeah. Candyman knocks her out. She wakes up in the bathroom, steps outside, there's a deep be- a, uh, a beheaded dog out front. I should pick up this knife that is obviously a weapon that has been used in this scene just to be sure when the cops come in, I'm holding this. Stabby. Stabby, stabby. Well, people yeah, in I mean, horror she's movies are... thinking self-defense at that point, and she's panicked because she's covered in blood and doesn't even know where she is. Yeah. Ah, the story is all this time. Yeah. How, how many of us have woken up in a strange place and then ended up stabbing the homeowner because we were confused? Preaching to I the mean, choir. The last time I was at my in-laws. So I met you guys. You were stabbing us? Maybe. What do you? How do you remember it? I will uh, give Virginia Madsen some credit because she's a Budweiser and cigarettes type of girl. Well, look at her brother. Are you surprised? Oh, uh, that's true. I totally forgot about that. Makes sense. Uh, they had the obligatory lower whacker drive shot in this one. <laughs> you you kind of have to have that, at least at that time period. In the 90s and the yeah. 80s, if you were making a, a Chicago-based film, you had to have at least one shot. Oh, yeah, because everybody knows about Lower Wacker Drive. you got to be in Lower Wacker Drive. you got to have that, that film down there. And then when they arrested her and they were strapping her down, and the one um, nurse goes, I'm going to give a 1,000 milliliters of Thorazine. Well, that's then she's po- going to die. Yeah, I'm like, that's a liter. You're giving her <laughs> a liter of Thorazine. What the hell is wrong with you? You're going and to she, embalm her is what you're going to do. Yeah. And first off, first off, a leader is not going to fit in that needle. And second of all, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, that's I'm improvising. That. Yeah. How do you fight Candyman, though? You don't. I mean, the only thing that defeats him is when people forget who he ever was. 
Yeah. And the only way you fight him is not to summon him. Right. The best offense is a good defense. What? Don't say his name five times and you're good. Which, by the way, nothing happens when you do that. Just FYI. How many times did you do that between now and then? I've done it three times already since I've watched the movie. Nothing's happened. I mean, it's a long way from Chicago to Texas. He's still on Team <laughs> <laughs> He's just sitting on a Greyhound driving. Yeah, well, and man. with the new movie that just came out, there's so many people he's got to get to first that he's starting in Chicagoland area because it's home, and then he's going to yeah. branch out from there once things My Rolodex is full, man. Yeah. So he'll if get it, to if you. If it wasn't a pussy, I'd already be dead, is all I'm saying. He'll get to you. <laughs> you'll yeah, be, I don't you'll think be he takes victim. offense to that. He, he, he seems to take more offense to you not believing in him. He, he's going he's gonna to show up, and I'm going to be like, you're not going to be able to do anything with that hook. <laughs> Let me tell let me tell you why that doesn't work. <laughs> As he's ripping me from stem to stern. No, there's no way this is working. <laughs> he he's gonna send his best friend Bloody Mary down there. She'll she'll take care, yeah. Yeah, it didn't work when it when, when it was Bloody Mary either. And I, I also will say for Helen, I escape first off, escaping from the hospital, I'm gonna summon him, my psychologist, the guy who's supposed to be doing the psychoanalysis on me, gets gutted. Candyman explodes through the window. I creep out, and the nurse, a, a window down, is like, "Oh, here's this person out on the ledge. I'm just going to let her into the room." Right? I thought that was kind of funny. That's no. what you do with the criminally insane. If they're out on the ledge, you let them in. Yeah, yep. and then they beat your head against the floor and steal your clothes. And then she goes Them's home the rules. and discovers <laughs> that her husband, <laughs> fucking Trevor. Games. Who's they're repainting the house in the worst edging I've ever seen for a painting job I've ever seen in my life. You Plus know, that that woman could not act. No, she was awful. I, I wonder whose friend or girlfriend she was to be in this movie. She was an actual grad student they just picked out of a crowd. Oh. Well, that actually makes sense. Because everybody knows that pink with giant paper clips is a great look for a ho- for a uh apartment. I just know how to cook either. What the hell is she doing with that steak? Taking out all her aggressions on it. Yeah, flop it over, cut it off, throw it directly onto the stove. Have you put a pan down there, man? <laughs> I cook on the burners. <laughs> and the AC obviously was broken because there was a lot of nippleage yeah, in that scene. That's exactly why she was able to paint, paint the house pink because he's like, okay. <laughs> oh. Huh. Yeah, because boobies. Oh. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I think I mean, we've beaten this dead horse as much as we can. I here's the thing: it's like the movie wasn't great, but the character Tony Todd is such a freaking presence. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's I operatic. Wanted, he he really is. His and the voice is amazing. Are so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, he's I, a great I, character. I mean, honestly, I, I go ahead. No, I was just basically going to say he deserves like a better script. That's exactly it. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. He deserves a better writer than what he got. Yeah, that Clive Barker. Yeah. Nah, just, okay. I mean, okay, the, maybe not this, writer, director. I just feel like this movie could have been more. I don't really know exactly what would have improved it. I just feel like it. it's not, It's like I said, it's not even in like my top 25 horror movies, if I had to just throw out a guess where I would rank See, it. Here's, here's the thing. This is not in my top 10 horror movies, but Candyman is probably in my top 10 villains. horror monsters. Villains, yeah. I would, I would is, not necessarily disagree with that. Yeah. He's much more – he's more than the sum of the movie. Yeah, he's easily the best part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You'll get no argument from me on that. Love me some Tony Todd. 
he was on. Was this? This is one of his first big non-stage roles because he was known as a stage actor. Like I know he'd done other films, but this was this was big for him. <clears throat> he did a uh, a run on the show Holliston, which is a was a horror sitcom that was on for a while back. Uh, well, it's been a few years now, but he uh, in the show he played himself, but as the character of himself, he was met these guys at a horror convention and then he said hey you guys want to go party and they're like of course we'll go party with tony todd and then he never leaves like he won't leave like that's funny they keep trying to get him to go and he just won't leave like he's there for days and days and just mooching off of him won't go anywhere sounds like a Uh, portlandia skit it's fun it was funny you know looking looking through his um his uh imdb he was on 24. He did Batman Brave and the Bold. He was on Splatter, the TV show. But some of the cool stuff, he was on Chuck and Transformers Prime. He did the voice of Dreadwing. And then he was on Young and the Restless for several years, for like 2013, hmm. for 14 episodes. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Interesting turn. Yeah. I mean, he's got, I mean, it's like everybody, I mean, come on, he was on one of the Scooby-Doo spinoffs. Well, he's just got that that voice, you know. Yeah, he's he's great for any any voice acting you need. He's he's on it. Oh crap! He was on uh, the Flash too. He was played the character Zoom. Oh okay, and I didn't boom, get boom. that far. So, but no, I mean Tony Todd. I, I think he's got an amazing character. I think he's got an amazing presence. The look of him with that with that coat and the hook that Patrick apparently disapproves of. Oh man, that I totally forgot. He did the voice of Scareglow from um, Masters of the, U- of the Universe Revelations. Oh yeah, that we just saw for sure. Yeah, a yep. couple shows ago. All right, so are we right. ready to move on to the break? Yeah, I think we are. Indeed. Yeah. Candyman, the one hooker that Patrick disapproves of. That's funny. Must be AFK. That's funny. All right, we'll be back in a little bit, and we're going to talk about twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one. Yep. Yeah, it bounces around there. The uh, the new Candyman. Back in a little bit. Candyman 2021. It is the sequel to the horror film Candyman from 1992 that returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began. True. True. That is the thing that happened. This is is directed by Nia DaCosta. Is uh, writing credits go to Jordan Peele. Wynn Rosenfield, Nia DaCosta, and also characters are from Clive Barker. Nia DaCosta has done, outside of Candyman, has done The Marvels, which is coming up in 2022. Something called Little Woods from 2018. And 2020 did something called Ghost Tape. So, there's When you break that. your ghost, get some ghost tape. Exactly. It's like, it's like, um... When you break oh. your ducks, you get some duct tape. Exactly. Yeah, who, uh, who who is that guy? Uh, that's a lot of damage. What tape is that? I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the name. Right. Damn it. I All don't right. know what you're talking about. What it's you don't blue, know what? Yeah, right? the guy cuts the he cuts the boat in half and yes. Oh, yeah. Billy Mays. 
No, no, not Billy Mays. Oh. Don't bring a Billy Mays bullshit to this. Jesus. Hang on. Yeah, that, I'm looking it up too. That's a lot of damage. Who is that? Flex, flex tape. Yeah, flex tape, man. That's not somebody's name. No, that's the name of the product that the guy's selling. That's, well, that's, that's not Phil. all the question you asked. I Phil Swift. Tape. Phil Swift. Yes, but I'm saying that's not the question that was asked. Well, the answer is Phil Swift. Well, whatever. This we obviously riveting. want to talk about this movie. Right. All right. Back to the back. Yes. Yes. Back to the movie at hand. Uh, this stars a Yaha Abdul Mateen II as Anthony McCoy. You may know him from such things as Aquaman and The Get Down, where he played Manta and Cadillac. Huh. And don't forget, he was in Watchmen as Dr. Manhattan. What? That was him? Yes. Yep. I did not realize that. Yep. Oh, wow. We're talking about the HBO series. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was Calabar, yeah. Huh, right. I didn't. I just didn't uh, put okay. two together. Wow. I was uh, like, you, you may not have watched it to the end, If that's a, <laughs> and that's kind of a huge spoiler. No, I did. I watched the whole I series. I was talking to Mike. Oh. He was very confused. I got a lot of things I got to watch. Uh, so this stars Tayona Paris as Brianna Cartwright. Uh, she's also known for Dear White People, Chirac, and If Beale Street, Beale Street Could Talk. And I Monica Rambeau. I've seen her before. Monica Rambeau. Oh, of WandaVision. Course. Oh, yeah. Not just I WandaVision. Have... Well, well, yes, right. just WandaVision for, for now. For now, yeah. Yeah. Also, there's Nathan Stewart Jarrett as Troy Cartwright. Coleman Domingo as William Burke. Kyle Kaminsky as Grady Greenberg. Vanessa Williams as... Back again. Back again as Anne-Marie McCoy. Looking good in her 60s. What the hell? Right? I know. She's... But, I mean, Looking good in her 60s. I know, right? I'm at, I'm like, fine. Okay, good. <laughs> I had to go back and see because I had heard that she came back, but I was like, is that really well, the same actress? She's 58, but close enough to her 60s. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. That's 10 years older than me, and I'm doing all right, so. Yeah. Good on yeah. you, Vanessa William. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're going to compare then and now from the mid-90s, like, I think she's got you beat. Yeah, she may have me beat, yeah. Also, Brian Cle- Brian King as Clive Privler, Miriam Moss as Jerrica Cooper, Rebecca Spence as Finley Stevens, Clark- Carl Clemens Hopkins, Hops- Hopkins, Hopkins, Hopscotch, Hop- Hopscotch as Jameson, Christina Clark as Danielle Harrington, M- Michael Hergrove as Sherman Fields, Rodney L. Jones the Third as Billy, Heidi Grace, oh, Eng- Billy, Billy. Heidi Grace Engerman as Haley Gluck. It's a weird last name. Gluck. Arian Roach as Trina and Brianna Lind as Annika. A lot of people in this. A lot of people that die in this too. It is a horror film. That's true. It's bound to happen. Uh, some trivia on this one. Uh, production was brought back to the Cabrini Green neighborhood where Candyman was originally filmed. Though the high-rise buildings have long been demolished, the raw houses still exist. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's trivia, even though it's like an explicit point made in the movie. Yeah. Uh, William Burke is seen reading a copy of the novel Weave World by Clive Barker, which, if you have not read it, it's amazing. Barker created the character of the Candyman in the short story The Forbidden. Uh, The opening credits of the original Candyman featured a moving footage of Chicago film from above. This version 
their credits are moving footage of Chicago from below. And it was a really cool shot. It was a cool shot. Did anybody else think that something was wrong with the uh, the version of the film we were seeing because all the credits were backwards? Oh, Only I got because it immediately. It, I, I, it took me a second, but initially I was like, oh, it's a janky... I mean, not that we would ever watch something on, on a pirated feed here in this show. Well, I, That's what I assumed like, it was. was. I was like, oh, okay, must just be a, the feed. Well, Laura's yeah. just like, I bet you it's backwards because it's a you know mirror image. It's yeah, a reversal. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. And then it was. And I was like, oh, you're right. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, this is a direct sequel to the original Candyman from 92. It ignores the events of the sequel that followed, which is probably a good idea. The same motion was first used in Halloween, which ignored other... Uh, from the 2018 to 1978 Halloween, which ignored everything in between also. Although that wasn't the first time that happened. Uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D did that. It was a direct sequel to the 74 original film. Yeah. Not as much success as these two films were. And uh, Anal Ass Pounders 6 ignored one, you know, two through five as well. And just went- I don't understand why they would do that because there was so much lore in between yeah. six and seven that they that just it fucked up the timeline didn't it right yeah that's, you know that's why they had to do it because you, you need one smooth line oh i felt like it fucked it up but anyway we're talking about candy man are we though <laughs> we <laughs> should be we should be yes yeah. <laughs> okay a hundred percent where's tony todd I was uh, I was yeah, waiting to see him. Yeah. He was well, there. I mean, he was in it. Yeah, yeah for like cameo. fifteen seconds. Yeah, there were there were definitely slow rolling his uh, his appearance, and yeah, it was it, it, only at the end. I when he finally showed up, I was like, yes. But they explain why he wasn't there. I mean, it, they they go through the timeline, and and all of that is made sense. They make sense out of why. Yeah, but it I mean, explaining why you're not using Tony Todd is not as good as using Tony Todd. Well, well they're it's... keeping it accurate to the events of the first movie. It's like whenever he takes somebody into the hive, they are him for a little while. He still can appear in person, but like, that's that's the whole deal. Like, they kind of made that explicit at the end of the first one, is that now it's Helen. So, exactly. So they had to introduce the 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 new storyline well the 70s one and then the current one uh and then you know give you some backstory and he was still there it just he wasn't it took the, a while yeah it wasn't the main focus of this particular film but yeah, yeah. there oh go ahead all right i was just gonna say i think there are sequels potentially happening so you know yeah, I am always a fan of where even if the lore is a mess, if someone really goes into the details and is like, all right, let's approach this with love and respect and fill in some of the blanks. Uh, obviously, you've got the baby from the first one is the main character in this one. That's spoiler. That's the yeah. deal. Well, it's a spoiler if you haven't seen them back to back or have a really right. shitty memory. As soon as <laughs> right. they call him Anthony, I was like, oh, cool. I get it. Yeah, or if you just miss all the heavy handed clues. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's not like it's a subtle a subtle thing, but <laughs> subtle is not a word I would use for this movie. <laughs> well, they I mean they definitely took the 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 aspect of, you know, racism and uh you know some of the current 
things that are kind of at the forefront of, of everybody's minds with, uh, you know, uh, profiling and, and some issues with some police officers, not all police officers, but some. Um, and yeah, it, it sometimes feels a little heavy handed with, with what they're doing, but they're so using Candyman as a metaphor. Well, the, the, the world, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I, I honestly, I think the social commentary was, it, it was hammered through and a, a, I don't know, explicitly, I don't know. It, there was no subtlety to this and there were straw men everywhere. I don't know. I see. That's the thing is this is not, I, I'm going to disagree with you, but not from a place of this is my lived experience. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is like, we don't have to deal with this shit. So whether this is an exaggeration or it, it's really not our place to say, cause how the fuck would we know? I mean, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, I've never been in a situation where I have I've experienced any of this. But I mean, even for the final moments of this of this movie, the police were such straw men. They walk in, immediately start shooting up the place. You know, the the cop comes into the car with her and it's like immediately steps into the you can say what we want or we're going to put you as an accomplice. I mean, it's I don't I this is um, believe it or not, who, who's the? This is the first Jordan Peele movie I have ever seen. Really? Yeah. Not. I mean, not because I've been like avoiding it or anything. It's just, yeah. You know, I I have to watch a lot of stuff for the show. There's a lot of stuff that I watch because I want to. If this is a Jordan Peele movie, I just think it's very exaggerated and stereotypical. I think they're they're pulling this. Oh, the cops are going to come by and they're going to tell you the, exactly what they're going to need to say. You know, there's the final scene of this movie really put me off. Oh, somebody's vacuuming. Um, I mean, yeah, if, Lucy if, stood on the vacuum. Sorry about that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, if you, if you want, I mean, you saw some Twilight Zone. I mean, he, you know, some of that was was his. But I mean, I feel like Get Out is. Uh, I don't want to say it's 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 given you a lot of the same messages, but in a uh, in a different way, as is as is us. So mm-hmm. I don't know. And incidentally, I said last week that there were only two movies I'd seen in the last few years that made me reevaluate my personal top ten horror. Uh, the other one is Get Out, which is an amazing film. Like he deserved all of the the praise that he got and the Academy Award and everything else, but. Uh, I loved us as well. Saw it in the theater, which is unusual as we talked about before for me in horror. Uh, but, uh, I, yeah, get out was really something special. And I, and I, I feel like I there's, it. there's still a lot of, uh, of Jordan here, but I, I don't think it was just his, his vision, but I feel like he kind of like David Gordon Green did with Halloween with Danny McBride. He has a love of, of this character and it, and it is a character that is, uh, you know, there's not a lot of African American horror uh, icons, whether good or bad, right. and so he wanted to take this character that you know uh, he could it's his own um, and play in that sandbox. And I feel like I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I I like I said, I'm a really big fan of the original. This, the sequels were so so, but this I felt like brought it back to where it's supposed to be. And I'm kind of curious to see if they continue moving forward. I agree. And I, I think the setting, like if you've got the setting in Cabrini Green, there is no 
true to the setting way to present it in a way that is going to make everybody comfortable. Like there is a very complicated and pretty bad history when you're talking about Cabrini Green and like not addressing that, like pretending it didn't happen or uh, whatever. I, I don't, I don't think that that is the most courageous choice or the most accurate. Well, and it's like something that you said earlier about, you know, we haven't seen it from the other side of things. And it, I had that a very kind of weird realization when we, Laura and I were at Target a few weeks ago and we're walking down the aisle and she's, and we were looking at uh, uh, bandages for Isaiah's knee. Um, he had injured it somehow. And we were looking at ACE bandages and I noticed that they had regular bandages that were uh, in, in skin tones for uh, African-Americans. And I kind of was like, oh, you know, Oh, that's kind of neat. And Laura's like, was also kind of thought that was an impressive thing. And she's like, you know, you think about it. How many years now have you seen Band-Aids where they're skin tone, but all of the Band-Aids are our skin tone. And you right. don't think about it as a, as a white dude in America. I don't think about it. I'm just like, oh, it's a Band-Aid. Right. You don't have to. Nope. But now looking at that, I'm like, fuck, I didn't realize I did never click that. All these years, the skin tone band-aids, yeah, they look like my skin tone, but they didn't look like a lot of other people's skin tone. And now they have ones that match other people's skin tones. And it's the same kind of thing here, you know? I've never been on that other side of it. So I, I appreciate these films for giving right. me some of that perspective. Sorry, long I, way I'm around right there. there. No, I'm right there with you, man. I, I, I will not ever claim to, oh, I get it. I, I don't get it. I can't get it. But at least I can be exposed to it in a space that normally I would not have. I, yeah, I, I like them using this as uh, a way of kind of bringing you into that world in a in a, in I don't want to say entertaining way because that sounds bad, but you know, in a, in a medium that I can understand, that I can I can go into and and enjoy. Still, that doesn't sound right. I'm going to back away from the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is when you're talking racially charged horror, there's there's going to be some of that. There's going to be like, what do we say? What's what's appropriate for us to say? I, I don't know. I, in general, I appreciated the storytelling uh, when you get especially to the end where uh, Anthony is himself, uh, but he's got the hive kind of growing out of his burn, his burns. Wow. That's that effect. Yeah, that was some pretty imp impressive special effects. That that shot of his neck, where just, you know you could see all the honeycomb and everything, and it, you know, it was really cool. Well, and it was kind of interesting that she weaponized Candyman, right? Like she was in a situation where she was kind of in a in a shit spot, and so she basically weaponized him. And she and understood in that moment what he wanted. He wants his story to be told, so he gets to live forever, and having him tear up a bunch of cops is a sure way for him to get what he wants. At least that was one of the things is I like it when a, a sequel retroactively makes the original better. And I feel that the missing pieces to like Mike was saying, like the rules of how he operates, they were sort of filled in with this. Like you kind of get it where why uh, certain people are attacked and other people are not because the people who aren't attacked are in some way contributing to his legend and contributing to his immortality. And that's something he says throughout all the films at some point or another is, you know, 
to to join him and and be the the fear in the back of people's minds or you know the the stories on the lips of children passing it on to the next generation you know become, become be a immortal. part of that yeah become immortal by being a part of the urban legend be my victim yep and it, and it's that's true and that's kind of what they yeah like Josh was saying they expanded on that here and kind of gave you every every generation seemed to have their version of the Candyman. Yeah, and I just, I love it when they do that, where I, I feel that I look at the first one and think it's a better movie because of the additional context provided by this a secret sequel. Because, like, you think it's a remake if uh, you're not reading uh, YouTube or watching YouTube or uh, reading articles about it. But it's pretty clear from the beginning that this is actually, in a lot of ways, a Candyman 4 that, like Mike said, ignores 2 and 3. Or at least a continuation of just the first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the other ones are kind of side stories anyway, if I understand it correctly. Right, Joel? Well, yeah. I mean, the the second one is basically a retelling of the first one. But the third one, they go down a totally different kind of path. And it gets a little, a a lot off the rails. Even Tony Todd has kind of (laughs) said, uh, yeah, this one was shit. I just watched that one today. You know, when Donna DiErico is your lead and she's playing his great-granddaughter, uh, yeah, there's problems. There's problems. Huh. Uh, yeah, it was not good. But anyway. Um, I really like that shot in the bathroom when they were, you know, you saw him in the compact while the girl was sitting in the in the stall. Yeah, right? Right? And I I didn't know what which way this was going to go. Like, I was trying to avoid reading anything about it because I wanted to be surprised by whatever the story was. And when I saw a couple of images of quote unquote Candyman online. I was like, Oh no, what did they do? And then now I understand. And it, uh, I'm, I am very happy with it. By the way, he would be able to do even far less damage with a hook shoved all the way up into his arm to his elbow. <laughs> very ineffective. Well, the rich, the original design was, it was supposed to be from the elbow down. Uh, that not the one that the Amish guy or Mormon guy made, but the original design that they were working on was that route and then they decided that was impractical so ah the amish mormon the <laughs> the momish <laughs> the momish got it myself the momish man <laughs> hammering all day on his tin can all right uh i also uh liked the view of the art scene uh and there was a little bit of an exploration of uh, were the particular characters, Anthony and his girlfriend, almost tourists in their own neighborhood. And they, they kind of address that and play with that a little bit. The uh, artists who their entire adult life, I mean, they've got money. Yep. So they kind of address that as well. It was it was clearly established in the size of their house slash apartment, whatever you want to call it, you know, that they were doing all right. Oh, for sure. In that area, that size condo, yeah, you, you got a few dollars. All right. So are we to the traditional thumbs up, thumbs down? I I think so. I mean, I don't I don't know that I have anything else myself. Yep. All right, Josh, what about you? Uh, I am a pretty unsurprising uh, big thumbs up on both. Uh, it took me a long time to get around to Candyman in general, but uh, I'm glad I finally got there. It's a good October for me so far. All right. What about you, Pat? Um, I'm I definitely not going to give them thumbs down, so I guess thumbs up. I mean, I, I liked them, but they weren't, like, you know, amazing or anything. They were both well-done <laughs> horror movies that didn't really, like, capture me but they weren't i didn't dislike them 
they were just, you know, they were just there. How about you, Joel? Uh, well, as I stated earlier, Candyman, the original, is, is in my top horror films. I don't know where it falls exactly, but it's been a favorite for a while. And I really appreciated what Jordan Peele did uh, with the storyline and continuation. So thumbs up on both, definitely. I don't know where I stand, because while I like Candyman as a character, I don't think that the original did did him justice. I think there's so much more that they can pull from from that character. So I'm hesitant, hesitantly giving a thumbs down to the original because I just I just think they could have done. There's so much lore they could have have woven in this one. I mean, honestly, if I could have gotten a Candyman versus Freddy movie at one point or another, that would have been amazing. For the new one, I don't know, thumbs sideways. It kind of expanded on it. I mean, my biggest question was, after you get stung by a bee, if you start turning into a honeycomb, why don't you go to the doctor? Or go anywhere. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, seriously, when when you get stung on the hand, and, and two go days to later, priest, it turns... Go to someone. And seriously. Go to, go to a dermatologist, and somebody that you know handles insects, go to a guy with a, that, that has pulling a, off a your flesh outfit, anything. Yeah, like, go to anybody. The, find out you know, what the hell is happening to you. Yeah, whatever this guy did, do the opposite of that. Don't, you know, don't just do, keep peeling your skin away. Yeah, I'm painting and peeling. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I have to give the new one a thumbs down because I just don't think that it held to the spirit of the first one. I just, I, I came out nonplussed on the new one. So, yeah, I mean. All right. I, well, uh, if you have any of your thoughts on either Candyman or uh, any horror film you'd like to see us do in future years, since this October was already uh, scheduled out to the end of the month, uh, let us know. Give us a call at 708 now app. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And if you're looking for our back catalog of shows, you can find them on your favorite podcast app, such as uh, Podbean or Pandora. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear about it. Give us a review on Apple, Google, or Amazon Podcasts. And you can also support us by clicking the Kofi link in the show notes and help us uh, keep the hosting costs at bay. Joel, what do we have left for uh, the, the last half of October? All right. Uh, well, next week we're taking a visit to the Haunted Mansion. Uh, Eddie Murphy joint versus the Muppet. Haunted Mansion that's coming out on the 8th of October. Uh, and then the final week we're going to be talking about I Know What You Did Last Summer, a brand new series that's coming out on Prime and the original Kevin Williamson film. Nice. Should be interesting because I've never seen I Know What You Did Last Summer. So I was surprised to realize it was another one. I thought I had seen uh, at least one of the movies this year, and I'm at zero for four, but we're going to turn that into <laughs> four. Four for four. All right. Whoop, whoop. All right. Well, uh, you guys uh, do some viewing for us. Watch that Haunted Mansion. I know what you did last summer for the next couple shows, and we will be back next week. And thank you for listening. Candyman, Candyman, does whatever Candyman can. time I hear Woodman's, I always think of Welcome Back, Cotter. Welcome back. Hello, Mr. Woodman. Who was that? Uh, was that a that was supposed to be his Horseshack. That was my Horseshack. Oof, that was nobody's Horseshack. Come on, wh what's your Horseshack then? <laughs> Hello, how are you? 
I'm on on Horseshack. It's not it's not great, but it's better than yours. <laughs> Hello. Okay, well, okay. that's a little better. That's better. Your first attempt was not good. Well, okay, was I was drinking. <laughs> My name is Arnold Horshack. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, I'd have, God, I'd have to listen. I'd have to hear it. Do his laugh. <laughs> oh my God! Do you have COPD? <laughs> you having an asthma attack? What's going on? Quick, get him an inhaler. <laughs> I need my inhaler. That sounded like a donkey, which is more more Horshack than anything. Oh my god, that's great. I haven't watched that show in forever. Let's just start watching that again. 